no one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filipponi. All right, everybody. Thank you for hanging out with us on First and Pod in the offseason. Danny Parkins, Andrew Filipponi. We'll be going down to one a week. We will not be doing every team, and there are no games, but we will be doing the biggest stories in the NFL. And, of course, the biggest story is the tragedy that happened at the end of the Chiefs' Super Bowl parade. And this hits very close to home, given how much of my family and friends are there, and I worked there for seven years, and both Pony and I, one of our best friends, Nick Wright, was there. And so we'll talk about that more at length. And of course, our our thoughts are with everyone who's affected. People who are still in the hospital and Lisa Lopez Galvin, uh, the deceased radio host and personality in Kansas City and her family. But we will uh, share thoughts on that at length at the end of the podcast. But we wanted to kind of begin with full football, especially because the biggest story of the offseason seems to be right here in Chicago with what the Bears are going to do with the number one overall pick in Caleb Williams. But Pony, it's like the content gods have said, first and pod will stay relevant, will stay A1, will stay front and center, because I cannot have ESPN on or Fox Sports 1 on without the hypothetical Justin Fields to Pittsburgh. Adam Schefter says Mike Tomlin loves Justin Fields. They even debated this week whether or not your Pittsburgh Steelers would be a Super Bowl contender with Justin Fields. Is this your A story of the offseason, Justin Fields? It absolutely is. So let's just for a second, I want to echo what you said about what happened in Kansas City. And we are definitely going to spend some time on this on today's podcast. If you're listening to this in Kansas City on one of our terrestrial affiliates, uh, we'll definitely carve out a lot of time to give some thoughts on everything that went on there. Uh, I am in off-season mode. I have a beer next to me as a celebratory. We made it to the end of the regular season. And I also was going to stay dressed up for this. I wore a nicer shirt. I had a meeting at work today. And has this ever happened to you with uh, either one of your sons? Diaper off, bath going, baby naked on me, immediately peed all over my shirt. Of course, down my shirt. It was not like a tinkle. It was just a full fledged adult pee soaked (laughs) both shirts, dress shirt, undershirt underneath it. So I had to shower and I basically just put my pajamas on after that for today's podcast. So that's the state of mind I'm in going into this. Well, Uh, you know, with boys, when you're changing the diaper, you got to be careful of the upshot. Yeah. Yeah. Did that happen to you? It has. It has. Yeah. You got it. You got it. It makes you be very fast. It's like a pit crew. Yeah. I was just kind of waltzing into the bath, uh, into the bathroom. It had never happened to me before. So yeah, I was you thinking nice we'd ask time. Definitely. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah, own let, that one. Let your guard uh, down. So this all started, you're right with Schefter because when Schefter said that about Tomlin, it's one thing I've come on here, this show, and I've told you how much Tomlin loved Justin Fields. And that the Steelers would have picked him uh, first in that draft if they had the number one pick. They had him ranked as the best quarterback in that draft. They had a Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, et cetera. And I honestly believe if Roethlisberger had not called their bluff when they said, we're going to make you take a pay cut, 
I think there was a big part of the Steelers brass that thought he would say, I'm not paying, I'm not playing for less. I'll retire. I think Mike Tomlin had his fingers crossed that Ben was going to walk away and they were going to use that draft pick or trade. They were going to have to trade up to get fields, but I think they would have done it. That's how much they loved him coming out of college. And our Steelers listeners and Pittsburgh fans know this who are listening to the podcast. They rely on their pre-draft scouting reports so much when it comes to moves they make in free agency and trades. They said that about Minka Fitzpatrick. They say that about just about every crop of free agents they sign, what they thought of the player when they met with them at pro days and in Indianapolis and things like that. So that's where we start this conversation that I think the Steelers are comfortable with Kenny Pickett, but there's somebody available who the coach loves and the coach tends to get his way. Tomlin really runs the organization. If he wants something badly, he usually gets it. Like when he wanted Brian Flores on the staff, even though Flores was suing the NFL. So that's kind of the entry point or preamble into the conversation that we're going to have. That's the Steelers backstory and why Okay, this might make sense. So, Normally, it's like my time to give an opinion, but I'm going to ask you a follow-up question before I do. Do they like him enough to give up the 20th pick? No, absolutely not. That won't happen. What if it's Fields and a third? They've only traded their first-round pick one time in the last 50 years since the 60s, and that was for Minka. Um this is a quarterback that only has one year guaranteed on his contract. And there's the question of like, if you do that, you have to immediately give him the fifth year option. You have to like, you can't trade and give up that much. Even if you're getting a third back. No, I mean, you're, you're, you're roll you, the if, dice. You tra- if you trade for Justin Fields, you're doing that anyway, buddy. I'm not sure about that. I I am. I, 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 I mean, a, dude, a second round pick is a lot to give up. For a quarter, so I'm I'm happy that we're having this conversation because you you start with the first and then you go to the second. The question I was going to ask you is, how sure are we that there's going to be a decent number of suitors for Fields? I honestly have been surprised by how convinced the national people seem to be that there's going to be a bunch of suitors for him. And they keep saying that. They do. But other than the Steelers, has an, has another team been linked to Fields? No. The, a no. lot of people are connecting the dots in Atlanta. I don't see he, it now. No, I, I know. But I'm just saying a lot of people are connecting the dots in Atlanta because Ryan Pace is there, uh, you know, in a high-ranking personnel role. He drafted him, and he's from Atlanta. And Fields in a – dome on a fast track with Bijan Robinson does feel like it could be a, a recipe to have the number one rushing attack in the NFL, which he had in Chicago, by the way, they didn't finish number but one that, this year, but that feels, that feels too much to me like doing what they did with the coach. That's now the Steelers offensive coordinator. You're going to go get Justin Fields and you're going to have like an Arthur Smith style offense with, I will admit, someone who I think is better than Marcus Mariota. But to me, they just, they tried that type of 
right. offensive philosophy, and it didn't work. Um, Mike Florio came on my show, he does once a week, and said that someone in the Cousins camp at the Super Bowl said to him, the Falcons for Cousins. And given Zach Robinson's background and Raheem Morris and the fact that they just had Matthew Stafford in L.A., that would actually make more sense to me with the weapons that they have than Fields. Now, that would mean Minnesota would need a quarterback, but would would the Bears trade in division with Minnesota? They probably would. If they're desperate, the highest bidder, but still, yeah, like, you go, I think you, I think you go to the highest bidder, and that would be unbelievable drama. Um, you know, we've seen, we've seen NFC North trades before. It would not be unprecedented. Obviously, does Kevin O'Connell strike you as a guy that wants to hitch his no. wagon to Justin Fields? Me neither. No. Um, the top three teams in the draft, we know the Bears are are spoken for. Washington and New England are they? Would they rather? trade for Justin Fields than use those picks on a quarterback? I don't think so. Um, it's like, what, about the, process, what about the Giants? What do they do with the Daniel Jones contract? Some cost. That's then you're investing. If you pick up the fifth year option, what's Fields making this year? Close to 10 million. Less, but yeah. is it less? Okay. Yeah, so like a little less. So you've got like I think it's like eight. So Spencer could look this up too. So you'd have Daniel Jones on your team making more than $30 million as a backup to Justin Fields. That And you're giving up a top draft pick to get him too? I, I just, I don't see that. Because I yeah, think his Brian... Cap, da- his, his cap is only $6 million this year. I Fields. think Brian Dable still, uh, against all odds, I think Dable still believes in Daniel Jones. They believed in him enough to give him an extension. Then he got hurt last year, and their offensive line was terrible. So Ryan Poles, the Bears general manager, is very good at you know playing the media. He's very accessible to the national guys. Uh, he's clearly he's he's pretty clearly like their source on some things. Uh, we used to be joking about how often he would talk to Peter King. Uh, he's he's done stuff with Schefter. He's done stuff with Rappaport. He's it's almost like he digs it. Like he's not like talking on the record a ton to them. He did to Peter King a little bit, but uh, he's he's very clearly playing that game of creating the appearance of of leverage. The reason why I am interested in like what the Bears would have to attach to get to twenty is because their biggest issues on offense were Fields' limitations a number two wide receiver, like a legitimate number two guy in the passing game other than DJ Moore, and center. And the kid from Oregon, Jackson Powers Johnson, 20 might be a smidge high, but maybe not. Everybody loves him. Almost everybody seems to have a first-round grade on him. He crushed it at the Senior Bowl. If they could go Caleb... Malik Neighbors or Roma Dunze, whichever one is there at nine, if either is there at nine, and Powers Johnson at the back end of the first round. Check, check, check. They'll go into next year thinking they can win double-digit games. So I do think that the Bears might be willing to attach a draft pick to Fields to get back into range to take the kid from Oregon. So I think that I, when you talk about acquiring fields, 
I do think that there's a potential pot sweetener that Ryan Poles would be willing to attach to it. I'm going to say this for our first and pod audience, but you can take it and use it on your show on 670, the score too. There is a better chance. There is a better chance that the Bears keep fields and trade the number one pick. Then there is the Steelers will give up the 20th pick for fields, even with some kind of day two pick attached to it this year or next year. You can take that to the bank. That is a guarantee. The owner will not let them do that. The only way the owner, I think, gets convinced to demote Kenny Pickett to backup and not even have it a competition is if he feels like the coach is so convinced of the player that he's willing to vouch for him and the acquisition cost is not exorbitant. They feel like they built Super Bowl champions through the draft. That has always been their MO. Only well, one if they were going to take Fields pick. one, they were going to have to give up a first to move up to get him. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. Based on where, where did Fields get picked? 11. 11. So 24 to 11. The Bears had to give up a first to move up from 20 to 11. Yeah. They absolutely would have. They absolutely would have. Well, let me ask you this question. You're saying it's, it's who was the 12th pick? Now, listen, obviously he was much more valuable than. No, but I'm saying like. Dude, you know who the 12th pick in that draft was? Let me hear it. Micah Parsons. Yeah, but I'm saying Dallas wasn't going to pick somebody at 12 who was a quarterback. So going to, going to, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to get too far in the weeds here, but. I, I understand, but he, he was also more valuable than obviously because you had the whole rookie contract. How about this though? Do you believe, because I, I mean, I know, we, listen, we both like Fields, even though now I've been painted as a Fields hater because I've advocated. Well, yes, because you wore a Caleb Williams jersey on yeah. radio and yeah, I loved that yeah. stunt, by the way. Thank you. Um, do we, I, I like Justin. He's a great guy. He's an 11 out of 10 leader. He's one of the three best athletes at the position at quarterback. He's got a cannon for an arm, and he was done. He was not given continuity and a a chance to succeed here. But he's got some of his own issues. He's not an anticipatory thrower. He's not great throwing between the hash marks, and he takes way too many sacks. And because of his style of play, that leads to a pretty high injury risk. I thought the question of are the Steelers a Super Bowl contender with Justin Fields was ridiculous. Of course it is. Yeah, they're not. They, they, they have, there's a team in their conference that has gone to an AFC championship game every year. Patrick Mahomes has been their starting quarterback, and they just became the first team to win back-to-back uh, Super Bowls in 20 years. So, no, they're not. They and, could add- and, and even in, even in the division – he has basically no shot at being better than Lamar or Burrow ever. And then there's Deshaun Watson. Well, I was going to ask you about the Lamar thing because you've watched Justin Fields play every game and you're someone, I think, who feels like there was a lot of square peg round hole coaching there, that there, went on. There, there, there was, and he's obviously the same caliber of runner as as him. He's just... You don't think he has a better arm? He has a stronger arm. Does he have a better deep ball? Yes. Yes. 
But the using his legs to set up the throw, he got much better at it the second half of this season. So he, he definitely flashed it, but it has not been consistent. Like like the, the, the Lamar play to score against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, that has not been a consistent thing for Fields. And he's never done anything like he has done in terms of 67% completion or 36 passing touchdowns. He's never flashed that degree of a ceiling as a passer. Okay, so the Pittsburgh people in our audience are going to love what I'm going to do next. I'm going to give you an NFL quarterback right now and tell me if you think if you think Justin Fields' ceiling is above the player that I'm about to give you, okay? All right. Tua. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? His ceiling? Yep. Yeah, cuz I mean, if he becomes a good passer, he's a he's just more stable. He's, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a brick house of a man, but he just hasn't been able to, he has to run, dude. He has to run. And I think in Arthur Smith's offense, he would. Yes. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, Dak Prescott. I mean, I would have said yes. I, this season, this season, I, I don't think Justin Fields will ever throw for 4,500 yards like Dak did. Well, Dak Prescott's never going to run for 1,000 yards and maybe 15 I, I touchdowns. But the problem, with, the problem with that is if you're relying on that for his ceiling, you're talking about Justin Fields for his 20s, which is still five more years. But it's, but you know what I mean? That, that, that ends. You lose a tenth of a time in your 40-yard dash. It's a problem. I got two more for you. Jalen Hurts. I mean, listen, when the Bears lost to the Eagles last year, I said if you flipped the quarterbacks, I thought that Fields was better than Hurts. So, yeah. Trevor Lawrence. No. No. And you're down on Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence of those four is the most naturally talented thrower of the football by by far. Um, I lied. One more. Brock Purdy. Yes. Come on. Okay. Dude, he's his ceiling is incredibly high. It's incredibly high. But the you know, you have to this will be his third NFL offense in 4 years. And he's about to get more expensive. So then it gets tougher to build a team around him. So it's just the calcul like the NFL isn't fair. He's very good. He's very talented. He's an incredibly hard worker. His teammates love him. He just he might be that guy that ends up needing to be talked about like Geno Smith, where he needs to go somewhere and have some continuity and learn the offense for a little bit behind the scenes. And then when he comes in, he gets his chance. That's obviously not going to be this stop. He's going to be traded for, and he's going to be a starter, but he's about to get expensive. So you're going to need to have a team that's really patient, not because he can't do it, but just because it's going to take a little bit to build the right team around his skill set. I'm going to make a prediction and you tell me for your bears fans and the, for the bears people listening, how this will go over. I'm not saying this is necessarily to the Steelers. I think Justin Fields is going to get traded for what starts as a third round pick. And depending on the conditions that are put on it, how he plays, how many games he plays, what his numbers are, it'll move up to a second round pick. And then I think there will probably also be, like maybe a fourth or fifth round pick the following season. 
that gets thrown in there. I think that's ultimately- will be underwhelmed. They'll be underwhelmed. They'll say Sam Darnold was traded for a second, a fourth, and a sixth. And guys like Rappaport, Schefter, Glazer have said that there's absolutely going to be a robust market and that even a potential first was there. What I've been saying is if it's a first round pick, I think it's a future first. I'd be very surprised if they actually got a first round pick and, for him. And I, and I, and I was such, and, and you, you remember, I liked Fields so much, I thought the Bears were a sleeper team to have a great season. So I've always liked the guy. He's awesome. If He's a team helpful. trades, if a team trades a first round pick for Fields, that GM should be fired on the spot because of the contract situation and because of what you said about what he has not shown yet at the NFL level. Yeah. That would be when, when, when some of these teams can use those picks to take JJ McCarthy or even some of the other second tier quarterbacks and get five, four guaranteed years in a fifth option, why you would trade a first round pick for one and then a more expensive second year from a guy makes no sense to me. You said yeah, to, to, hear, to hear it about JJ McCarthy, he might go in the top four. Well, if you're Jim Harbaugh doing the interview, yes. But like, I mean, you you said about Darn what you said about Darnold is absolutely true. But how about what guys like Alex Smith and Jimmy Garoppolo were traded for? Well, right. I, no, listen, that's the thing. The, the Darnold trade, just because it happened, it was a terrible trade. And I know Smith was a lot older, but Garoppolo wasn't. Garoppolo might have been maybe two years older than Fields, 26 or 27 yeah. years old. Do you think he's going to be a stealer? Gun to my head, no. But here's the problem with me answering the question that way. I'll go back to what we what I said in the middle of this conversation. Okay, then who are we picking him to play for? Right. Raiders, Broncos. The Raiders make sense. The Raiders make sense. They haven't been connected to him at all, though. Sometimes they are sneaky mystery teams that get involved, but we haven't seen anything that suggests that that's going to happen. So, All right, we'll do a little Super Bowl fallout. Uh, more first and pod after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, back in on first and pod. Two quick things, Pony, uh, uh, on the Super Bowl. Steve Wilkes, the fall guy, Shanahan said it just wasn't the right fit. Terrible look for him, or do you get it? Uh, Well, I get it, but I think it's, I think, okay, so I hate answering questions this way because I think it's such a cop-out. I do think in this situation, the way that you phrase it, I think both are actually right. I, I think that, I get it, but I also don't think it makes Kyle Shanahan look good. They had the third-rated defense in the NFL this season, okay? And they had nine, the Chiefs had 19 points at the end of regulation. Does not look good that they fired him. But if you've been listening to the show all year, we've talked about this. Right. There just seemed to be a philosophical difference between Wilkes and Shanahan the entire season, he was moving out of the coach's box, onto the sideline, 
They were talking you know, about their efforts in the playoff games. Their effort in the, in the playoffs. Shanahan early in the season flat out blamed Wilkes for one of the games that they lost, just completely aired him out and blamed him for a game. Didn't uh, maximize Chase Young, got run on by the Packers, got run on by the Lions. You, you mentioned this on our Super Bowl podcast. It was not... It was not just a horrible game by Romo. It was a typical Romo experience where he had moments of brilliance as a broadcaster, but then moments of complete idiocy where it's, you know, how do you pay a guy like that $18 million a year? He said it. They wasted a timeout. Shanahan had to call a timeout because he hated the defense that Wilkes was in. And then great camera work by CBS you, they show both guys on the sideline, and Shanahan has the play sheet over his mouth, and you can just see the veins in his neck popping because he's livid. He's basically screaming about the defensive look that they had for a play. Yeah, that and cover so, zero play on the Mahomes yeah, run. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah, it was I – mean, listen, I – people framed it like he got fired because of the Super Bowl. I think he was getting fired if they won the Super Bowl. Uh, so pr- probably what you're so, okay. So one more thing on what you just said, I think it's interesting that they did not even give it the euphemistic, they mutually parted ways press release here. Oh, I that, mean, but he was, I mean, he had, he had time on his contract. He was fired after one year. I know. And that's maybe like from the contractual thing where he's still going to get paid not to work. Maybe yeah, that's exactly. why he's, he's like, no, you, you're going to have to fire me to pay me. Right. But like it makes it when you say fired, you make it sound like the guy did a crappy job and that's why you're getting rid of him and not, we just agreed to disagree. I think, um, I think Shanahan tried to soft pedal it where it was like when he said it, it was like, it just wasn't a good fit. You know, like that, that he, he didn't talk about the, the performance. He talked about the fit between him and Wilkes. And here's the thing. I don't think he deserved to get fired, but there were enough things and their season was supposed to end with hoisting the Lombardi trophy and it didn't. And you said Tomlin runs the Steelers. Shanahan is on that level as a coach, whether we like it, you know, whether Wilkes likes it or not, whether it looks good for public perception, he can take those arrows and no one is going to question it a week from now because of course, Kyle Shanahan if he doesn't get along with his defensive coordinator or they have a philosophical difference that he didn't think was going to happen upon interviewing. Of course, Kyle Shanahan's going to win that power struggle. By the way, it's interesting. It's interesting. You bring up the Steelers because they're actually the precedent for what happened here in Super Bowl 30. After they lost to the Cowboys, Bill Cower fired his offensive coordinator, Ron Earhart and actually replaced him with Chan Gailey, which, so this is not like something that's happening for the first time ever. I think some people might've kind of, Reported it that way. It obviously very rarely happens, but it has happened in the past. Um, really good job opening, though. Like a, a crazy well, okay. good coordinator opening so, to happen this late in the game. There's a ch- I, I I still think, and we do a lot of these shows. We did yeah, two shows a week, and a lot of crazy stuff comes out of my mouth. Like I think at various points on this podcast this year, speaking of the Niners, I made predictions that Sam Darnold was going to replace Brock Purdy. So I clearly do not shoot a hundred percent or bad a thousand. I picked against the chiefs in every playoff game. So I am, I'm okay, saying that qualifier out of the way, go ahead. I'm make saying self-effacing things here because 
if you remember, even before the Super Bowl, I said when we were doing when we were talking about the coaches, I made the point. I don't think Steve Wilkes is safe, even though they're going to the Super Bowl. And Mike Vrabel, it would be a good spot for him to go to San Francisco and be their defensive coordinator for a year, because if he could get along with Shanahan, it would show that he's not this impossible to work with really rough around the edges kind of, uh, you know, uh, authoritarian, authoritarian type coach where it's my way or the highway and he can get along with others. And like you said, it is the best um, for defensive coaches. Spagnolo's not going anywhere. How many other defensive coordinator jobs are better than this one that just became available? I mean, probably none. You're replacing a guy who got fired with a ton of talent and you get an all pro safety back for week one. Yep. You know, it's, it's a, and you don't have Chase Young, you know, so that it's a, it's an incredible, but I think you're crazy. I, I think it's, I think Brandon Staley makes a lot of sense. He well, knows, that, that's the easy, that's the easy thing to do. No, I, well, but, but Yeah. But he just did something that backfired. Most people hire people they know. And yes, that leads to Nepo babies and it makes for bad hiring practices and discriminatory hiring practices and racial inequities and all of those things. But having said all, I'm not saying it's right, but if Kyle Shanahan feels like he has some egg on his face and how could he not... He's going to hire his buddy. He's going to hire his buddy who's been a head coach, been a successful defensive coordinator, knows the system, and he knows that he can work with him. That's just, I sometimes think the, the most obvious, right? The most obvious answer is the correct one. I think Brandon Staley is going to go there. Uh, tell people that I paid you for our bet. Oh, yeah, that's right. I actually, well, I actually have to forward that money to Nick. Okay. Because well, I don't care about that. So your money just is is part of a larger donation that's going to our friend Nick Wright. So thank you. Well, for so I, your pay, I paid I paid you for the overtime thing. I still think that I shouldn't have had to pay the full amount, but that's okay. why. Well, the defensive thing never even came out of his mouth, and he didn't even allude to it in a way that you could make you. You made it seem. You're right. You're right. Which is why I paid you, but. He knew what he was doing. He wasn't like confused at the rule. Some of his players were, but he knew what he was doing. That mic'd up segment, and by the way, inside the NFL, not having a host and not being on HBO or Showtime has lost some of the luster in terms of like the media space, but they haven't lost anything in terms of the quality of the access that they get from NFL films. You know what? I'm actually happy that you brought that up as a quick aside. I think that show is an excellent show and it's actually gotten even better now that they just got rid of like some of the stuffy people that used to host it. And it's just, it's Ryan Clark, Jay Cutler, Chad Ochocinco and Channing Crowder. Who's got an opinion on everything. I am stunned that that show with that collection of people with the NFL films audio that they get, that that does not have a bigger platform. How is it on the CW? I, and I don't even know what time it's on. I only see the clips on uh, social media and 
By the way, uh, off of that, come on. They don't have the Kelsey audio from Andy Reid. What are they doing? Oh, I know. I know. Kelsey's mic'd up with Taylor Swift after the game. They don't want us to hear that. Something got, and he was mic'd up. He was uh, he was a part of the overtime kickoff thing. That's um, what I mean. Something got said there that they don't want us to hear. I don't know what it is. They think it's going to Kelsey. He was cursing. They they're think well, him. not just cursing. I'm not saying he said like something that's like beyond the pale, but I think it's just the rage that went into it. The way I bet they feel like the way that it sounds is going to make him look really, really bad, and they don't want that unlikable. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I agree completely. Um, it was so cool though, to have that moment, to have Shanahan tell Fred Warner, we want the ball to have Mahomes and Reed reiterating it, to have them run out there to see Mahomes be surprised. His facial expression was Awesome. We didn't really get that on the game broadcast. Right. By Warner taking the ball, he's clearly surprised. Running back. They want the ball. They wanted the ball. Having Dave Tobe tell his special teams unit, this is what we wanted if we would have won the toss, like on on the kick part of it. check saying, hey, did you know if we score a touchdown, it's not over? It, It was just, it was incredible. And I... I keep going back to like, we have it. We have the technology. We have the access. And if people are NASCAR fans or F1 fans, and I am neither, but they, you can, during the race, they listen in to the driver talking to the crew pit. Occasionally, a golfer will give permission to listen in to the golfer and the caddy talking about the shot and it's not just picked up by the boom mic or a golfer will put in airpods yeah I've and seen as they're that. walking up to their shot they'll talk about their drive and they'll talk about what their approach is going to be like we're so close we're so close to being re- like breaking through and realizing we've seen baseball players turn double plays while talking to the broadcast make diving catches in the outfield while being interviewed these guys are so good at their job that we can we can take the broadcast to the next level. CBS should have had some of that. Like in 10 years, the Super Bowl broadcast, that exact same thing happens. We will hear from the parties during the broadcast. I guarantee it. It's just, it's too good. It's too good. They've got to, they've got to figure out a way to get the people on board. Have the players and opt in. You don't have to do it. It's not mandatory. But if you want to do it, it'll be you'll be promoted on our social media channels. It'll help grow your personality. We will not air curse words. We will not give away proprietary things. But we are going to push the envelope on access to tell the best story for our audience. It's an entertainment product. Yeah, I just feel like the coaches and players will be so uh, adamant against that because they won't want what will then be the immediate uh, reaction after the game where they're getting questioned about what they said by reporters and things like that. Like that there's, you know, now in the locker room, Hey, we saw you on CBS and this is what you said about your decision and, you know, expand on that. I don't know. I feel like the reason why I bring that up is because like the quarterbacks wouldn't even do the Peyton Manning thing this year. I know. You know, like, 
and that was and that and that was thought, might be the last one to do it, but it, every baseball team should have it for this year. Every single one. The first baseman at at a minimum, someone on the bench, a funny third base coach, an outfielder. It should you should be able to you should have AirPods in while you're playing, and the broadcast should be able to buzz you. And if you don't want to say yes, you don't have to, but you can buzz back and say, yeah, sure, you can talk to me. And you'll grow your personality and you'll get marketed. It should happen in all sports telecasts if the players want to do it. We See, have the AirPods the thing would be tough for me because I don't know what it is with my ears, but the AirPods don't stay in. Dude, so I, I just, I've lost my third pair of AirPods right now. Steph is so pissed at me because I just lose them and then I buy a new pair. Would have been a nice but, Valentine's Day present from her. It would have been, but she said, I will never buy you another pair of AirPods, even though our money is all in one pot. So I, I have to buy my fourth pair of AirPods here coming up. It's very upsetting. It's very upsetting. All right, welcome back to First and Pod. Danny Parkins, Andrew Filipponi. Subscribe, rate, review. Give us a five-star review. We'll be doing this once a week in the offseason. I don't want to monologue for, for too long, Pony, and I'm not going to pretend like I'm going to say something that's so profound that hasn't been said elsewhere or hasn't been said in the literally hundreds of these tragedies that we've covered before in sports or otherwise. But um, it's really depressing that my guess is everybody who's listening to this has either been on the receiving end or sending end of a wellness check text text because of a mass shooting. Because I have been now on both. I've been on the receiving end when the Highland Park 4th of July mass shooting happened. That's a suburb, a couple of suburbs north of where I live. And I was at a 4th of July parade with Owen that was happening at the same time, just one suburb over. And, but how the suburbs work up here is people just, they're all, you know, they're five minute drives between them. So like my town of Wilmette doesn't have one. So you go to the one in Winnetka or Highland Park. I happen to go to the one in Winnetka. The shooting happened at Highland Park, but everybody in these five or six suburbs goes to one or one of these 4th of July parades happened to be at the one where it wasn't, but it was at the exact same time. My grandparents lived at Village Shalom in Kansas City. There was a hate crime mass shooting there targeting elderly Jewish people. Had to make that call to be sure that my grandparents weren't involved. And then here, having worked and lived there for so long, Steph's mom was at the parade. My good friend and former producer and childhood friend Ben Heisler was at the parade with his five-year-old son. And of course, Nick was at the parade with his wife, Danielle, who I've known since they were dating and her sister, Deanna, and her best friend, best friend, Nicole. So the show starts and you see it happen on social media and you're sending these texts to these people. And it's just, it's crazy, man. It's crazy that nothing changes. And I don't think that one law or one thing or six laws or six things could eliminate it, but it's so insane 
that we've just stopped trying to do anything. Uh, and now I am monologuing. But uh, I also looked this up because someone texted it into the show. That was the anniversary, the 16-year anniversary of a shooting at Northern Illinois University. And it was the seven-year anniversary of the shooting in Parkland. So just on that day, February 14th, in American history, you have three famous mass shootings. It's just, how could anyone look at the problem and be like, yeah, you know what? Let's not try anything. It's just, it's so depressing and scary because it makes you not want to be in large gatherings. It's terrible, man. Yeah, you know, one of the things that crossed my mind, actually, I was sitting down for dinner with Amanda that night, and she actually, you know, when you experience this, sometimes when you're a, a parent of a young child, you know, you might lose track of what's happening on social media or what's happening in the news for like a five or six hour period because you're just overwhelmed with yeah, of course. parental responsibilities. And so I was shocked when I got home. Now I was, I guess I shouldn't say shocked because I had not gotten a message from her. But when I got home from work that night, I said to her, did you see what happened in Kansas City today? And she was mortified when I told her, but she had not heard about it at all. Um, and immediately started asking about like Nick and Danielle and everything. Um, and so as we talked about this over dinner, one of the things she brought up to me was, you know, you just brought up the large gathering point. Like, are there still going to be parades after teams win championships or like right away, like at, I mean, my, my answer to that would be yes. Yes. Right. Because it's like, you don't want one horrible incident to ruin what is a joyous celebration and everything else but and there have been shootings at other championship parades i i i I know but that's going to be something that a lot of people think about when they're making a decision if they want to attend something like this at least in the immediate future when it shouldn't even be a question that pops into our heads at all yeah you know, like a team's going to win an NBA championship in June. There's going to be a fan or there's going to be a, a a father and and mother of kids who think to themselves, well, wait a minute, we know what happened in Kansas City. And the other thing about that too, that like I just can't, I couldn't stop thinking about as I was watching the horrifying pictures from the parade site was, think about if you're, first of all, you know, you're, th- you're, you're thanking your lucky stars. If you were there with your kids that nothing bad happened to them, but that's still psychologically a scarring experience. You're in this yeah. mass gathering for a party and you hear gunshots go off and you have to run and seek shelter and seek safety in those things. And like, Now there's so many young people in Kansas city who were there that might have PTSD or might have some real strong negative feeling or emotion that's triggered by the, like 
the Chiefs championship. Like, that's what I keep thinking about. Like, there might be some Kansas City 10-year-old version of me as a kid when I was obsessed with football. And if I was a Chiefs fan and lived close by, I would have been begging my parents to, to let me play hooky from school and go to that. And... I mean, a lot of the school districts were closed. They were calling it a red snow day. Yeah. Like that's yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the city, the city, the city in the surrounding area, I mean, completely shuts down for these things. It's just, it, 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 it breaks my heart in so many ways because like one of the things that I like about sports and this isn't often true. I mean, we obviously lived through some times in the not so distant past where there were things about sports that divided people and made it you know, polarizing and divisive and everything else, but it's really supposed to be something that brings people together in a positive way. Like this game that the chiefs won to set up this parade brought more people in front of their TVs than anything ever. Like it's supposed to be a unifier, Danny, you know, and that's what like sickens me about this. Well, the other thing too, is like, there are acts of heroism there, right? There are people that the video of the, of the guy tackling the shooter for one. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. There are people who notified law enforcement. There are people who tackled the shooter. There, Your guy Nick Allegretti, who took time to be with like kids who were distraught over the whole thing. I mean, right? What a stand-up it's, dude. Trey, Trey Smith did apparently. Blaine Gabbert did. Andy Reid did. Jackson Mahomes got credit for that in in one uh, witness account. You know, so, I mean, uh, Kansas City is an incredibly philanthropic place. Um, the I know that the the blood donation banks were, you know, the lines were out the door there for people trying to donate blood. You know, so there's there was there's always the yin to the yang, like a, a ton of positive that that comes out of it. Um, and I know that it's become like in vogue because our industry went like too hard probably into politics when we're like the toy department people are supposed to use us as a diversion. But I also think that like, we can't become, we, we can't become so jaded and numb and desensitized to it that we just say, well, it's going to happen. Like, and I know you don't mean it, but like, because we talked about it on the show too. Someone said like, are they going to have to put metal detectors at parades? That just seems so ridiculous to like talk about banning parades. I know you're not saying banning parades, but kind of, right? Let's change the rules around parades instead of trying to do more things to get to the root issue here it, 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 it you're saying it's like a treat the symptoms it's just very situation. frustrating like yeah you can't oh it would all it would take was a good guy with a gun there were a thousand armed members of law enforcement there you know yeah it, it's happened at it happens in red states and blue states and cities and rural and churches and temples and mosques and elementary schools and preschools and colleges and high schools and theaters and malls and, and parades. And it, it, it's, it, it's so American. It's so ingrained in American culture that 
And people get so like, well, what about inner city violence? And what about this? And what let's I people what about mental health? You want to have a conversation about all of the things that lead to inner city violence? Trust me, I'm here for it. You want to have a conversation about mental health? Trust me, I'm here for it. Pay enough to therapists. But like also this problem, the mass shooting problem, uniquely American. And it is the thing that like makes you say, eh, Cubs games at 120 at 1245. There's 10,000 people outside of one gate trying to get in. You don't have to go through a metal detector there. And there's a bunch of buildings around ballpark in a neighborhood. You're pretty at risk. You're pretty exposed. There's no way to stop that. There's no way to defend it if a bad actor wants to, you know, so like maybe we should actually look at figuring out the thing. And I'll say it, obviously guns. And it's so insane that we've become so used to it that people would rather just be like, nah, Let's just consider not going to parades or let's arm teachers or let's put metal detectors at movie theaters. But you know what I mean? Like, that's just so insane to me because there's you, you can't make every place in the world safe, but maybe we could do something about making it a little tougher for people to get killing machines in their hands. I think what happens here as far as like people that do what we do is, you know, we obviously um, relish like the disagreement in the, in debate that comes with like discussing things like what we started the show with, like the Justin Fields thing. And, you know, you post a strong opinion on fields or you say something strong about it and you get people that will call you names and disagree with you on it. But in those situations, like it never feels to me like, you know, like what's supposed to be a, an inclusive conversation where you're, you know, you, you feel like you're trying to bring in as many people as you can and invite and accept as many as you people as, as many people as you can to talk about the things you find interesting. Like people will disagree with you and call you names, but it never really feels to me like when that happens, like you're losing the people as like listeners or friends of the show or whatever, because you're just disagreeing about sports. And I think to go back to what you said about how people aren't comfortable anymore talking about these things is because I think people learned a few years ago, like when you do that and people don't agree with you, they'll shut you off. And I think that's the, that's the, that's the fear and concern that people have in our space for having the types of conversations that probably definitely things like this should promote. You know, it's just like you post something that you think is not a controversial or political comment. It's more of like a human rights issue. At least that's what you think it is. You say that and the feedback you get is like something that doesn't match that. 
And I think that that like for a lot of people that do what we do, it just creates, I think, this reaction where it's like, you know what? It's not worth it. Yeah, no, and and that's and that's right. You're right. That's what happened. And 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 by the way, there's a real argument to be made that hey, this is a business. This is what pays my mortgage and puts food on the table for my kids and will pay for their education. That I'm not. I mean, I'm either preaching to the choir and living in an echo chamber, and so then what's the point? Or I'm turning people off because no one ever changes their mind about any issue like this. So then what's the point for sure. But I also not saying anything doesn't feel great either. Yeah. Well, the one thing I'll say in closing here that like, I think you mentioned, and I don't want to like, I don't want to distract from or, or even take away from like anything else that you said in the middle of, and I thought it was good that you, you were very personal on this because it has affected you a lot. Um, And we're both pretty open book about this. I know that you have gone through a lot and you've seen mental health specialists and therapists. We've both gone through tragedies. Even if I hadn't gone through some of those uh, depression inducing moments in my life, I still would advocate for mental health, um, wellness and doing those things and finding people to talk to and support groups and stuff like that. Because like knowing my, like my personality and some of the things that have happened in my life, like I would not be here right now doing this with you if not for those people. So like, I don't know. There used to be a stigma about this. We used to watch Sopranos together. That was the whole basis for that show, you know? Yeah, no, there's just interesting that like you and I both really bonded over watching that when we were in college together and like fast forward 10 years in my life and I'm in a therapist chair and it's like a dire situation for me, you know? So yeah, man, don't be afraid Uh, to reach out and get help, I guess is the bottom line here for me. It's a good way to end it. Thank you to Spencer Ray, our producer. He's Andrew Filipponi. I'm Danny Parkins. Tell a friend about us to keep this thing growing in the offseason. First and pot. Peace.